everybody, welcome to the Sanctus Forum. I'm Michael Stewart Robb, better known as Mike, and this is another one of these longer discussions, conversations. I've got Jörg Albrecht with me here, who I'll introduce in a moment. And we are going to talk about the divine conspiracy. Um, we're talking about the second chapter, first section there. So if you have read that, then you're ready to go. Um, just a word about the Sanctus Forum. This is podcasts and videos um, about everyday spirituality and books. So if that's your kind of thing, then go ahead and subscribe. Uh, we do have an Instagram channel, which is kind of a sad place to be. But if you like sadness, then come on and uh, join us there. But that's a way to get to know what we're putting out as well as signing up for our newsletter, which is usually a little bit wider than just the videos and podcasts. But if you go over to sanctus.institute, you can uh, sign up for our almost monthly newsletter and find out about what Sanctus as an institute is doing in Europe uh, at times when we're not doing videos. Um, this is uh, Jörg Albrecht. Jörg is a, uh, he works for Willow Creek, um, Germany, which um, is rather important in the German speaking world. Um, no matter what your country is, there's usually some sort of conferences going on which um, help to inspire people who are following Jesus. And in Germany, the Willow Creek Conference has been a big source of inspiration for a lot of people here. And, um, and Jörg helps them do what they do. He's also an author and speaker. Um, I've brought his um, most recent book, put it there in the camera, Fitness für die Seele, wie wir innere Stärke finden, uh, means fitness for the soul. And uh, there's actually a video on this channel with Jörg and I in German with subtitles about this book. Not available in English, at least not yet. But Jörg has um, a really good way of communicating with people and this one about um, how to take care of who you are and how to get through life. Um, yeah, really with Jesus and better off than we usually do. Um, Jörg is also an avid reader of Dallas Willard, which is why I've uh, wanted to have a conversation with him here. He's currently working on a translation of this book into German, um, which we don't have yet. We have a few other Dallas Willard books and uh, just don't have The Divine Conspiracy yet, which if you're a German speaker, you can look forward to. And if you already can speak English, then um, I don't know why you're watching this if you haven't actually read the book, but you know, there might be some people. <laughs> Yeah, Jörg, uh, glad to have you here. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming and being in the, uh, this is the, the reading room, by the way. So. Yes, I'm amazed by the books and uh, all yeah. this stuff. Yeah, we don't have books in the other, <laughs> in other parts of the house. They've all been, been put in here um, to kind of emphasize that. But um, how, are you, how are you doing today? I'm good, I'm fine. I just spent the last night in teaching about Discipleship, and so I enjoyed the ride to Munich. Yeah, it was a little hard to find a parking spot, but that's okay. Yeah, center center of Munich is is not the easiest place. Um, yeah, well, I didn't say we're we're talking about here this section on the invitation diminished, and uh, sorry, that's the beginning of chapter two, Gospel of Sin Management. Jörg has his um, digitally here. Um, and you mentioned, you're talking about discipleship there. Um, how, how interested are German people in being a disciple of Jesus? It's interesting to me. I teach more than 15, 20 years now about discipleship. And it looks always like people have never heard a lot about that. Hmm. So um, they have an understanding of discipleship as kind of an option for the 
people to do a little extra work, but you can't be a Christian without it. Yeah. And people follow or are interested in when I speak about discipleship, but looks like it has never been a crucial part of their journey as a believer. Hmm. And so it's always kind of new thing. People are a little, little, little bit bewildered and sometimes scared or um, yeah, kind of, wow, um, have we missed something there? So it's always kind of that thinking. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is interesting if you're not uh, a church person and you might you know, think about what uh, church people are up to, it's kind of, you know about Jesus probably, but it may seem a little odd that people who are in church aren't all that interested in learning from Jesus. Well, I deeply believe everyone is a disciple of someone. Hmm. You know, we all follow someone. Mm -hmm. We all have an understanding of life. Um, what is life all about? Someone gave us this understanding and normally we follow that person or we follow that understanding. So yeah. we are a disciple of that one. Yeah. So, yeah. might be that our parents taught us something, or a teacher, or a friend, or we see a celebrity and we, we want to have mm -hmm. that kind of life, and so mm -hmm. we follow that. So, yeah. discipleship in it as a system, I think, is someone, though we don't use that word a lot, but the, 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 uh, the meaning behind that, I think, is quite understandable for everybody. Yeah. Um, but if you go into church and you understand Jesus as the one we have to follow, yeah. Jesus as the one uh, who is giving us the key to understand what life is all about and to help us live a good life, a life full of abundance, as he expressed it. Um, this seems to be a little odd to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dallas Willard's trying to explain why that's a little odd. Um, and at the beginning here, he's talks about... Um, bumper sticker, which I remember seeing when I lived in America. Um, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. And I've seen it in in other contexts as well. Uh, and he wants to say it's it expresses something very deep about a very familiar brand of American Christianity. Um, you've lived your life in Europe, in German-speaking Europe, do you have that brand of Christianity here? Well, I think we have a quite similar saying, Jesus, uh, Christians are not better than other people, they're mm -hmm. just better off. They're better so, off, yeah. So this is, I think, the, the goal of this uh, slogan, wants to communicate, we aren't arrogant, we, you know, there, there's a kind of Christian um, thinking we have the truth and you're not and we are saved and you're not and so there is a kind of a you know, hierarchy and we are better than you and this is exclusive and so so to tell people no we aren't better you know uh, we are not we, we are not that kind of arrogant people we just communicate we have a better life or we have a better destiny or whatever so. mm -hmm. but this communicates a, a little bit of this we don't expect the substance of the life of a Christian or we don't expect that the character or the personality of a Christian, a Christian is transformed or is, has to be grown into something different. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an outward um, type of expectation that people have that that being a Christian is something that's um, maybe yeah connected with putting bumper stickers on your yeah it's car. a kind of a standpoint it's kind of a view of life you know we have some convictions you stand for some truths you say you believe or you profess but it is more something on the outside it's more yeah. something you try to live or you try to pretend to be, or uh, you show a special kind of behavior mm -hmm. you show to others, you act in a special way, you dress in a special way, you, you speak in a special way, but it's more something from the outside. 
You yeah. don't expect real inner transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you just get saved. You you know you, you accept what Christ did for your life, and that's the ticket to heaven. And so nobody expects that people would be uh, changed. Or, yeah. You know, we have the saying that uh, this transformation. Jesus wants with us, really, Jesus really wants transformation for us, but that doesn't mean that we are get weird. Mm -hmm. Although we see this in churches quite often that yeah. people get weird, you know, they, they behave in a weird way. So, but not weird in a good way. Not weird in a good way, no. <laughs> you know, so they, they are very narrow-minded and very yeah. judgmental and not very generous and so, yeah. so you know, um, judging people and so, so and this, that, that's not the change we want to see. Yeah, yeah. And Dallas has this critique of why that's the case. And what he's going to do is he's not going to point the finger at society. He's not going to point the finger at demonic powers or anything like that. What he's going to say is actually the church is to blame for this situation that we have now. Yeah, yeah. And this... Dallas did say that he was not, he didn't think that we should have much of a business in just criticizing the church. We've got, there's, he really thought it was the best show in town. And yet there's a kind of internal dialogue happening here where he's, way of sort of brotherly sisterly correction trying to say look this is an internal problem mm -hmm. that we have mm. um, and and there's glimpses of it here um, he thinks it's a a theological problem the way that we understand um, what Jesus is about what God is about um, Give us a little bit. You studied you studied theology at at, a, at school. Um, did you did you pick up that kind of theology that Dallas is worried about, or how was your? Absolutely, I think this is the crucial thing, um, and it took me years to a lot of years to discover that and to yeah. understand that dynamic dynamic behind yeah. it. So um, I belong to this evangelical branch of the church in Germany. So I'm a Baptist from my um, origin here, or uh, I've grown up in a Baptist church, mm -hmm. have been baptized by the age of 13 and uh, studied at the Baptist seminary in Hamburg that time and became a Baptist minister for 11 years for a local church. So this is my thinking, this is my background. Mm -hmm. And um, in total, we, I would say that the gospel uh, we tried to communicate was um, so related to this four laws, you know, um, uh, four spiritual laws. You're a sinner. God died on the cross for your sins. If you accept that, you get the entrance into heaven, and all, everything with God is fine. So, accept this, and and that's the that's the deal. That's so the deal. here yeah. is the gospel: Jesus died on the cross for you, even for you, for mm -hmm. all your sinners. And if you if you take that, and if you believe that, then the problem is solved. Yeah. So, yeah. and this reduces the gospel to only the part of sin. Yeah. And this understanding of the gospel um, does not make discipleship necessary at all. Mm -hmm. If you believe that, yeah. if you say, I have to accept something, this is the good news, okay, I take it, I take it for me, Jesus died for me, I say yes to that, I believe, mm -hmm. I say I believe that, then heaven is... So, so, and this is, I think, only a part of the gospel now. And this is only, um, this is not the center, and this mm -hmm. is not everything, because we are way more than just forgiven. Yeah. The Bible doesn't start with Genesis 3, with a story about the fall. Yeah. The Bible starts with Genesis 1, right. with a good God who creates an abundant life, wants to flourish, wants yeah. us to flourish. Yeah. And um, so the, 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 the understanding of the gospel is way bigger than Dallas hints us to. And it's about 
dealing with our sins, yes, but it's way dealing with more. We are promised by Jesus of an abundant life. How does that life look like? What yeah. is a good life? What is a good person? Yeah. That are crucial questions yeah. Jesus deals with. And these questions are yeah. way, ba way, bigger way bigger than just um, the understanding of the problem of sin. Yeah. But yeah. we have just focused on as sin is everything we have to say to the people yeah. and we have to yeah. deal with. Yeah. And this is a special problem today because your generation has no understanding of sin at all. Yeah. <laughs> and to, to explain now the concept of sin is even way harder to, to yeah. convince someone that he is a sinner and then tell him the solution yeah. to that problem. Yeah. So um, I think this is um, quite a barrier today to, to our culture. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't imagine, I, I know a little bit of the history and it wasn't all that much easier in your generation and the generations above. It's been very difficult. Um, it's been very difficult to explain to people first that they've sort of have this catalog of sin that kind of creates a problem with them and God and there now we're going to come we've got the solution for that yeah, it's problem a that they silly didn't even to know tell someone uh, first you have a problem while he hasn't a problem you know and yeah. then tell him here's the solution to the problem you did not have but yeah. i told you they have to yeah. have a problem yeah. so uh, yeah. this is a little you know yeah. i'm deeply convinced that people suffer from their sin and mm -hmm. there is very often no awareness of that fact yeah. but yeah. it's hard to explain it to people yeah in the beginning. I think yeah. when you start to live the life with God, you discover the problem of sin a lot and, and you discover the solution God offers. But life in its abundance that Jesus promised in John 10 is way bigger than just dealing with the problem yeah. of our sins. Yeah, yeah. And it, it stands out to me hearing you talk that we, Dallas will call this a sin management problem, but for a certain strand of Theologian, theological thinking and, and Christians, it's not even a sin management problem. It's a guilt management problem. The problem is not so much that I do wrong things and that messes up my life mm -hmm. and messes up other people's lives. It's that God has a problem with that. Mm -hmm. There's a guilt problem between mm -hmm. God and I. Mm -hmm. And if we can take care of that guilt problem, mm -hmm. then we'll have this entrance into uh, heaven. Um, actually dealing with sin, real sin in people's lives, would actually be an improvement on the gospel that we actually yeah, yeah. Um, are preaching and, and hearing. Because I don't find that I go into a lot of churches in Europe or in America and find people actually trying to deal with sin, yeah. real sin. Yeah, yeah. They, they're trying to help people with their guilt. Yes. Um, which is important and people do suffer under guilt and uh, yeah we don't want to I guess I don't want to dismiss that but um, in some ways Dallas is going to talk here about a sort of a division between right and left in in theology at least and the left side he says, is interested only in sin in terms of structural yeah. and social evils. So we have sort of societal problems that we want to try to root out, whether it's economic disparity or racism or, um, yeah, a whole host of, and, and Dallas is going to say, yeah, society's got, got problems and mm -hmm. we, should, we should work on those. Um, in some ways, that's an improvement on the uh, more right side of theology because the right side isn't even doing a whole lot about individual sins that people are doing. They're worried more about the guilt that that produces before God. And you, you see actual sort of on the left side, real people trying to address real life problems. Well, I would say the right side is focusing on, on this special thing of the soul, but they deal with it only as this personal guilt thing. They mm -hmm. don't deal with it as a process of transformation of the character yeah. of the person. Yeah. 
Yeah. And now you try, you have, you do your guilt is something that separates from you. So you have to get clear with God, and you do, you know, accept what Christ did, and that's all. But there is no understanding of that. Sh this should lead to a different kind of life. It should lead to a different kind of obedience. It should lead to a different kind of treating people differently, working in the society for the good, um, helping the planet to survive, or whatever. So, mm -hmm. on the other side, the liberals think of let's protect the planet, you know, let's protect the environment, let's fight against slavery, let's, you know, so work against structural sins or the bad um, things happen, and yep. so, and they see the uh, the freedom Jesus brings, or um, you know, so, and, and let's work for that. Mm -hmm. Both has its right. Both, yeah. you know, both is uh, both is related to the gospel, but none of them expects that the gospel is the power to transform people from the inside yeah. to um, to persons who would um, reveal God's goodness, God's selfless love from their in transformed inside out. Yeah. That yeah. they would yeah. respond to the problems automatically in a way because their substance. Is transformed. Yeah. They have learned something new by obedience to mm -hmm. Jesus, and this process has done something with their character. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. there is no awareness of that at all, yeah. either on the right nor on the yeah. left side. Yeah. And we miss this part. So it's it's um, thrilling to me to see the, the the word obedience. For Germans, this is um, a word we cancel. Uh, yeah, in our understanding, yeah, we have this kind of obedience um, during the Nazi time, you know. So this was cadaver gehorsam. How would you translate that? Well, um, cadaver is a, a cadaver. It's a dead body. You know, so it would be obedient till the death. You know, yeah. so and um, you had this in in that time in German that people just would do what they're. Um, commander would say, you know, mm. whether they they agree to it or not, yeah. they would kill people because they were told to do that, and so yeah. so this kind of obedience we say that's a bad thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. we don't trust the concept of obedience. Mm -hmm. And if I want to go into uh, a relationship with God, obedience is always hard. You know, obedience mm -hmm. is something that feels like pressure or you have to be obedient like a child has to be forced into obedience mm -hmm. by the parents you mm -hmm. know so mm -hmm. i think that we miss the beauty of this concept of obedience totally yeah. Yeah. because we have it in a, in, a, in a wrong context yeah. yeah if you are in a swamp uh and you have a guide yeah who knows the way through that you better be obedient to what he's saying to you yeah and yeah. you have no problem being motivated to mm -hmm. be obedient yeah. to that guy because he knows the path to life. Yeah, he's he's wise. He's wise, so yeah. he has he's totally competent to tell you where are the marks where you will lose your life if you step into yeah. that or if you step yeah, into that. Yeah, if you yeah. lose this way through the swamp, it's dangerous on the left. It's dangerous on the right. Mm -hmm. He tells mm -hmm. you to step there, to step not to step there, but to go there. Mm -hmm. So. So and you have no problem in being motivated to follow that that yeah, guy on yeah. being obedient to his direction or his yeah. command because yeah. you totally know it's the best that can happen to me. Yeah, yeah. And this is the understanding of obedience and a discipleship relationship to Christ. Mm -hmm. To understand he is really indeed the most competent person on the planet regarding whatever I focus in life. Mm -hmm. And I think we have lost that understanding of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. We have reduced him to someone who will redeem us. Yeah. He died for us on the cross. That's very nice of him, you know. He, he he's a good guy, you yeah, know. Yeah. But we never think of him as smart. We never think of him as extremely competent in the areas of dealing with my body, with my money, with my sexuality, dealing with my meaning of life, dealing with yeah. all the things of conflict or relationships or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We don't think of them that yeah. in that categories. Yeah. And therefore we lose us. The we lose the dimensions of flourishing life he want to give to us. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think you're right about this with obedience. There are kind of two problems that you'll encounter there. One is the idea of being 
we have the false a false understanding of who we're going to be obedient to. Mm -hmm. So somebody who's actually pervaded by kindness, uh, gentleness, patience, um, not somebody who even in their wisdom is going to sort of force this wisdom mm -hmm. down our throats. Uh, and somebody, we're, it's about obedience to somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. So it's no different than being obedient to your therapist or being obedient to your math teacher um, who just is trying to help you forward. The other side of it is, I think, that is scary. And this is, this is something where, for example, if you read the cost of discipleship, um, Nachfolge mm -hmm. by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's big on obedience, mm -hmm. um, but he doesn't have as much there in this idea of Jesus helping us become obedience. This idea mm -hmm. of training, um, Dallas's phrase is, is training for reigning, but this idea that we are going to, Jesus is actually a competent teacher. He doesn't just know what he's talking about. He actually can help people become obedient mm -hmm. to the point that it's not just a gritted teeth kind of, yeah. all right, I got to love my family because Jesus said so. Yeah. But I actually want to now because I've gone through a process of training that prepares me um, to love naturally. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, my goodness. Um, Jesus has really been cut down to a very small size, has he not? Yeah, yeah. And therefore we aren't transformed by him. So I would say it's, it's, it's both. It's tr trusting him as the guy who is meaningful or is good to be obedient to and trusting him as the source who helps me to grow into a person who want to be obedient. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this has something to do with my understanding of reality. Yeah. So if we invite people to let be God in the first place. So for a lot of people, this feels like I'm losing something. You know, if I put God in the first place, I'm not in the first place anymore. And so I lose something and it feels like a sacrifice. It feels like something painful. But if we are honest, and I think this is happens when, when, when we follow Jesus, he opened our eyes for the reality that God is in the first place. Hmm. That's reality. He is yeah. the point in universe yeah. who is only worthy of worship mm -hmm. and he is in control i'm not yeah i'm not the center of the universe even yeah. if i want to be it but yeah. if i think i am the center i am wrong yeah. and sooner or later i will bump into that reality yeah and this will break something in me yeah. so this understanding jesus opening my eyes to see god is in control god is in that position yeah. so you know just let him, you don't have to let him be because he is there, but you have to accept, you have to get um, uh, incongruence to mm -hmm. that reality with your life. You better do, yeah. because sooner or later you will yeah. meet that reality. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. This is not a gritting teeth thing. Yeah. This is another thing, oh, you know, and this is the place where life can flourish because I live in the place where life is really how it is uh, real. Yeah. Or, or I live in the truth, you can say, yeah. or I follow the truth. And yeah. um, this is the only place where I can have life in its abundance. Yeah, yeah. But it's, and that gets, it's gets back to what you were saying before about having a, an understanding of Christianity that begins in Genesis 1 rather than in Genesis 3, mm -hmm. because the vision in Genesis 1 is a good God who is related to all of reality, all of creation to the end. Genesis 1 kind of names the little parts of the sun and the moon and the, the plants. And it's really trying to say all of it. So when you're talking about God being number one in reality at the center, at the center point, it's not as if we're talking about 
a God who's, yes, the best, and, and yet he doesn't really have a whole lot to do with the stuff of life that, we're, that we have to deal with, mm -hmm. with um, finding a parking space, which you had to do here today. No. Did, you, did, you, did you talk with God? Uh, <laughs> we talked about that, but I have way more in the way of complaining from my side. <laughs> you, yeah. you let me suffer here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it is, you know, being the, the God of the universe and creator of the universe is one side, but providing a parking stud in Munich is a complete different page, you know. So, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. This understanding of God wants to live my life with me. He wants to join me. He wants to help me grow. That doesn't mean that God is the magic one who provides a parking spot whenever I need it, who will give me money whenever I want it, who will, you know, fulfill all my dreams I ever mm -hmm. had. I will mm -hmm. always be successful, super mm -hmm. sexy till the end of my life, and I will always be the, you know, this is not the way of God is not the magical box. He is the one with me on my way through life and will help me to live life in the fullest. So yeah. he will help me grow, he will help me survive, he will help me, he will protect my soul, even if my body is going to die mm -hmm. one day. Mm -hmm. So, but he is the one who is the source I can always relate to, facing all the different kind of things in my life and becoming on that way more and more the person I can be in his eyes. That yeah. means a mirror yeah. of Christ, someone who is um, more Christ-like yeah. from day, you know, yeah. through his life, someone who is more selfless, loving, some mm -hmm. more serving, more patient, more generous, more joyful, more mm -hmm. peaceful, more hopeful, you know, more interested in people with a broader or wider horizon, not a narrow one, not mm -hmm, a, you know, mm -hmm. so, and I believe that is the journey of life. Hmm. And it matters, and this is interesting, it matters because my goal is not only being in heaven. Yeah. And this is something, you know, it's a comic sometimes, you know, what is heaven like? And now we have this story about Munich, you got this guy from Munich who is yeah. in heaven and he's playing the harp yeah. and, then, yeah. and shouting hallelujah and nobody hears me, hallelujah, sake, hallelujah, you know. Yeah. So this is, you know, what, what is heaven like? Yeah. Um, to understand, hey, God is, there is, a, there is a story going on. The Bible tells us it's a story, it's a story of creation, it's a story of a problem in the humanity, it's a story of God. Um, making a covenant with people, then being in Jesus present here, redeeming the world, building the church, and it's a story from of a, a story of um, fulfilling or completing the cosmos. Yeah. So yeah. into something that is um, fulfilled at the end as a place where we human beings are meant to rule together with him. Yeah, yeah. So this is, this is the dimension. This is not only sitting on a on a, on a cloud and you know yeah. crying or, or, or shouting hallelujah. We are the character we if we develop is important because wants us to entrust us with his power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wants to give us power that we are allowed to do what we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not what he wants. He wants us to give power that we do what he, what we want. And therefore, he needs to form our character. He needs mm -hmm. to form our personality that we do want the right thing. Yeah. That we understand yeah. what is good. That we have a knowledge or an understanding of what is right, what yeah. is helpful, what is God honoring, or what is in in, um, in in connection to the reality? What is real? Mm. What is mm. the truth? And that's our life for. You, yeah. you mentioned that slogan of Dallas. This is this life is training for rain. Yeah, we shall be. And if we think of the universe as an unbelievable, huge thing to understand, hey, this should be fulfilled one day. This cosmos mm -hmm. will be the the, the um, infinity of it will be fulfilled and this will be the place mm -hmm. of where God is reigning together with us yeah and um, this is a turning point for me in my understanding this is something we we move on to and this is bigger yeah. than just deal with sins sins yeah. are 
a problem. Yeah. But it's way bigger than yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that for all that some churches talk about heaven as being the point of it all, they don't talk a lot about what it will actually be like yeah. in heaven. Yeah. And one issue might be that um, heaven isn't a very good description of what the Bible at least thinks that the future will be like. And this was for me as well a turning point, and Dallas, I think, was the person who helped me think about it, was that there's no reason to expect why our future wouldn't be um, wouldn't be lived out in this present mm -hmm. universe, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. rather than a place full of harps and clouds and wings, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which, you know, if that's what I'm going to be doing for a long time, then I, I better start practicing my harp mm -hmm. skills mm -hmm. um, because I'll be behind. Mm -hmm. But if you think of um, the future as a continuation of life now with significant reduction of evil and um, natural disaster and, and all that sort of thing, then you realize that what the kind of space we inhabit now is well suited to be a kind of preparation time for a much, much longer time, still in the same earthly, sort of cosmic world that we inhabit right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes discipleship, learning from Jesus, makes so much more sense. Because you could even sort of argue, you know, okay, yes, um, Jesus is interested in real life now, but how long is that really going to last? I mean, what, 70 years to become, you know, a good person, uh, to be capable of handling God's power or whatever, whatever wonderful things Jesus promises. But that's not, you think, well, maybe I should enjoy a little sin while I'm here. Mm. Have more fun. Have more yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Why waste it on becoming a good person when who really knows what we're going to be mm. up mm. to after we die? Mm. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is the understanding that um, this little fun will not serve me well. Mm. So, um, and it will always serve me because it's, it's, it's the illusion of something good. Mm. And I buy a lie. Hmm. And sooner or later, I will run into reality and discover yeah. that was a lie. Yeah. You know, that was a, that was not life-giving. It was not really um, helpful for my character, for my human being, for my my, my life at all. So, and um, I haven't lived in the reality. Yeah. So. yeah. And I better do because yeah. you know, this is something that has a continuum, not mm -hmm. beyond my time mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. So I have a soul and this soul matters to God yeah. and this soul is not going away. So, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting um, Instagram has been for I'm actually a little old for Instagram but for younger people than me it's been a sort of a a shop window for the kind of life that mm -hmm. the fun life the kind mm -hmm. of that's mm -hmm. that's the the sort of the well-off life and recently I saw that um, technology has progressed to the point that you can um, post pictures of yourself in clothes that you don't even own. Mm -hmm. So you you use programs to sort of mm. you know buy mm -hmm. virtual outfits mm -hmm. and then take pictures of mm -hmm. yourself mm -hmm. and you don't. Yeah, it, it's it's so. Fake. Yeah, you try to convince people of the good life you are having. You don't. You do not. You, have. you don't even have. Yeah. So, which is a step lower than even owning those clothes. Yeah, yeah. which is still not yeah. all that great. Yeah, yeah. I love this scene in the Matrix. Have you seen the movie of the Matrix? Yeah. Um, and, and you know this taking the pill. You know, yeah. it, what do you wanna? Do you wanna really live in the reality, mm -hmm. or do you wanna live in the illusion, even when the illusion? looks like better than the reality. Mm -hmm. So what's your choice? And yeah. this is, I think this is a question that relates to today for a lot of people. What do I want? What do I want something that makes me feel good in the moment? 
Um, or do I want to be in the real life? So yeah. uh, even if this in the moment looks not so good like the dream, like the, yeah. you know, like the fake. And yeah. I think a lot of people are tempted to choose, you know? Uh, yeah. Like the betrayer in that story is that I, I'm eating that steak and I know it's not real, but I mm -hmm. enjoy that now. And, yeah. and I want to continue that. That's a decision. Yeah. And if you have only that life, I probably could understand, give me the illusion. Yeah. But sooner or later, if it's more, if it's more than this, then you will face, hey, there is something that's, now you face an eternity um, that is now everlasting. Mm -hmm. And this is a problem then. You know, yeah. you can't have an illusion everlasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The day when we meet Jesus or the day when we stand eye to eye to God, this is the end of all illusion. And we figure out this is the truth. Okay, so this is something. We have today only a glimpse of it. We, we can see only in a you know, dark shadow or dark mirror or whatever the Bible says. Um, we have not the understanding. We are not able to understand God. But there is the day when we will have an encounter and we see reality as it is. Yeah. And um, this life is to prepare us, to prepare yeah. us for that yeah. truth. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to wait until then to see reality as yeah. it is. Exactly. Um, you can start today. You this can is start now. the thing. It's not about going to heaven someday. Yeah. This is something I have uh, so often admired by Devil's teaching. Is that it's, it's, it starts today. You can start in the reality today. Yeah. And it will yeah. make your life better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deeper. You know? Yeah. So. And um, this is this invitation. Yeah. Speaking of things that are fake, um, I have here um, corn um, with a barcode on it. And there's this uh, very vivid metaphor that Dallas is using in here of barcode faith. Um, and the idea is that the barcode scanner is only interested in this space right here, mm -hmm. where the code is. Um, this one actually has a QR code. So I think if he was writing this today, he'd probably talk of a QR, QR code mm -hmm. faith. Um, but the barcode is very uninterested in the expiration date on this, um, whether the corn in here is actually any good, um, whether there isn't something else in there besides corn. Um, the, the idea behind this metaphor is that um, God has set up a strange system in which he's only interested in one little sliver of our life, which is different for mm -hmm. different churches. Mm -hmm. So in, in the Baptist, German Baptist churches in which you grew up in, um, it did tend to be whether you had the right kind of beliefs about Jesus's work on the cross. Mm -hmm. But for other places here in Bavaria, we've got a lot of uh, Roman Catholics. Mm -hmm. And there it can be participation in, well, just that you are a member of the church at you all. You belong to the church. You go to the Eucharist, you know, yep. you, you take uh, yep. the blood and, and the, uh, the bread, the body. Yep. So that's it. Then you're in. So, okay. so there are different kinds of uh, these systems working, yeah. you know, whether you're a Catholic yeah. or a Baptist or you professing the right things or you act on the right things. But this is always something on the outside and it doesn't matter, it doesn't play any role who you are as a person. Yeah. How yeah. your character yeah. is yeah. by Christ, yeah. is uh, touched by Christ, how yeah. it is, is transformed. And this is, um, this is a problem yeah. because we don't produce or we don't find um, the kind of people, or we, this is not the way to find the life that Jesus want to give us. Yeah, yeah. And I think that a lot of people outside of the church world, Christian world, can see easily past the barcode. Mm -hmm. They, you know, if that is our badge, which we use to sort of be in contact with God and trigger heaven or whatever, else is being promised, um, and people outside the church aren't all that stupid, and they see that there isn't really a big difference mm -hmm. between 
those people and me. Mm -hmm. Yes, they have the barcode, mm -hmm. but we live exactly the same mm -hmm. otherwise. And I, I want to uh, maybe read here what Dallas thinks the alternative is, and I've underlined it here if I can find it fast enough. Um, transformation of life and character is no part of the redemptive message. Today, yes. Today, yeah. In many cases, and that's probably that's the problem of a weak church. Yeah. That's the problem of a gospel that is not being heard by people as help, something yeah. helpful, or yeah, something yeah. that is attractive to them. Yeah. Even um, if I don't believe that the gospel has to be always attractive, but there has to be a kind of change um, we as persons show when we follow mm -hmm. Christ. Mm -hmm. So our, our, um, Gerechtigkeit, our, um, righteousness. our righteousness should be better yeah. than the righteousness of the Pharisees. So there should be something in us that shows a bit more of Christ, a bit more of this selfless, loving God. Um, and I believe to rediscover that or to, to understand church as the place where this should have room to grow, mm -hmm. where we should help people yeah. to develop that yeah. kind of character where we invite the spirit to work on our character mm -hmm. in that way mm -hmm. this is um, an understanding that would help tremendously yeah I'm interested for people that are listening to us watching um, this who are in churches in Europe um, if people have actually heard the kind of different thing that we're talking about that transformation of character is possible that uh, God is interested in all aspects of life and that discipleship and learning from Jesus is at the center point mm -hmm. of what we are doing mm -hmm. as people connected with him I wonder how many people have have actually heard that in their churches and if you have heard that um, you know, let us know, um, or if you haven't, let us know in, in the comments there or send us an email and, and let us know. But mm -hmm. um, you go around to a lot of, you visit a lot of churches. Um, do, you, do you find places, any places that talk in, along these lines? It's rare, it's okay. quite rare. So I see some new churches starting to think about that okay. and uh, starting to um, rethink the way we are doing church. I think everybody knows in Germany or in the Western world in the moment or have this feeling that the way the body of Christ happened to be is changing dramatically. Yeah. So there is something ending, a yeah. way of how the church happened, how the mm. church looked like in mm. gatherings, in the need of volunteers, in the programs they have run. I think everybody mm. senses something comes to an end mm. and we have no idea how the body of Christ looks like in the future because yeah. society is in such dramatic change, such, so, many, so much transformation in the business world, in the society, climate change, all these things. And we all feel, okay, the way church happened for the last 50, 100 years, um, coming together on a Sunday, celebrating in a different style, worshiping in a different mm -hmm. style, or kind of, you know, and we all see, oh, people don't attend anymore that much. Um, digital is way more strong or we feel mm. there is a lot of fluid hmm. movement so and i deeply believe the rediscovering of discipleship hmm. is the key to have people who are who have the capacity to find the new way but it needs to be a disciple you need to have an understanding of how to live your daily life with Jesus. Yeah. And then together with Him and together with the help of the Spirit, discover, oh wow, how can we now be the church, um, even if it looks like different to what we have been before. Yeah. And um, therefore, I deeply believe we are in this place when we need this message, when we need this book, when we need mm -hmm. um, this thinking, this understanding of the kingdom of God as the whole, you know, the, the whole 
ground of the gospel, you know, understand the kingdom of God that's available yeah, now, yeah, yeah. and understand our role in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you mm -hmm. are a person who would like more of this kind of thing, well, not this kind of thing, but, but a life of discipleship that's connected to all of life, um, that's interested in transformation of the character, and you're not in a church that's all that interested mm -hmm. in it. What are some things do you think that people can do to maybe move things forward? Mm. Well, there is this part of taking care for my own soul. Okay. So I deeply believe that there are, and I think Dallas mentioned it in the ninth or 10th chapter, there are two major areas um, where you can start with. So mm -hmm. the first is the the, the spiritual um, exercise, the spiritual praxis or uh, practice of um, solitude and silence as mm -hmm. a key. I mm -hmm. think this is crucial. Yeah. And um, we very often avoid silence. Yeah. Um, we avoid outer silence because in the moment when we have outer silence, we discover that the inner part of us is quite loud. There's a lot of noise in us. And the moment when the outer, si uh, the outer noise is reduced, we get aware, we, we look inside and we say, oh, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of voices, there's shouting, there's a lot of anger, fear, shame, um, whatever. And this is not very um, um, uh, likely to uh, feel, it's not pleasant, you mm. know. It, it, so therefore we normally tend to move back to the noisy world because mm. Um, getting from the outside impulses protects us for yeah. looking at the soul. Yeah. So there, there is no way of following Jesus. There is absolutely no way of being transformed by the Spirit without us being in contact with our soul. Yeah. And therefore, solitude and silence is mm -hmm. absolutely fundamental. We have to. When we acknowledge we can't do that, yeah. and I know a lot of people can't do that now, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we have to understand it's a way of learning. Yeah. We can exercise that. We can yeah. start with 30 seconds or two minutes exercising mm -hmm. silence, you know? Mm -hmm. And I exercise, exercise means doing something on a regular basis with a little power or the little um, you know, control I have now mm -hmm. and doing it regularly, making mm -hmm. it a habit and over yeah. the time it will yeah. grow. Yeah, I will yeah, yeah. be able to move it from three, two times to three times to five times to yeah. ten times to yeah. sixty times. Six, yeah. Sorry, minutes, not times. Yeah. Um, it's not my, my country of origin. So. Yeah. Um, but to exercise this practice. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. investing into yeah. uh, silence and being for alone. And then this is the way to get in contact with my soul. To yeah. bring into the light of Christ what's in me, who I am really. I in silence I can't be something, someone other. Mm -hmm. In the normal life, I always try to be something, someone who I'm not. Yeah. Right? So, in silence, this is not possible anymore. Yeah. I'm just with God alone, and that's mm -hmm. just me, yeah. who I am. And yeah. to have an understanding of who I am, therefore, silence is critical. Yeah, yeah. If I have done that, or if I have implemented that as a stable stream in my life so on a I would say on a daily basis I need silence every day mm -hmm. so for a couple of time um, then there is another practice I would start with um, and this is studying and worshiping mm -hmm. so digging into one thought hmm. seeing one picture of Jesus so helping my brain, helping my mind to be enthralled by Jesus, to be filled with these pictures of Jesus, seeing one thing, one story, and digging into it, studying it, thinking of it, um, praying about it, picturing it, this season, mm -hmm. this scene in, before my eyes, and trying to get it as deep as much in my brain, in mm -hmm. my thinking, um, and, um, and, and then um, worshiping God. Yeah. giving him the glory, yeah. being aware of he's at the top, he's in the center, yeah. 
He is the one I will never ever be able to understand fully. He's way bigger than I can picture him. He is way different than I have understood him. So this makes me humble, gives me the right perspective on my life. I'm in his hands. I can trust him. He is the one in control. He is the one in power. And this acts as a practice, as something I do on a regular basis. I would do these two things to start with. Yeah, yeah. I think what you'll find, that is, if you're trying to do that, you mentioned one of the reasons why people will have difficulty, and that's there's a lot of distraction mm -hmm. about um, that will keep us both of the both study worship and then solitude silence do require you know to to kind of part the waters <laughs> a little yeah. bit and have space for it and and we're not used to doing that um, the other thing is that will keep you from that is a sense of but I have other things to do I've got there's there's a busyness to our lives which can make it difficult to think well I should take that those initial five minutes or whatever you're going to start with it has to do with an understanding of how crucial that is yeah so um, really understanding hey you better live in reality and yeah. you want to live in reality it's yeah. not something I have to convince you you want to be believe me you want to be in reality so, um, and this is not something hard. It is something life-giving. Yeah. Uh, but, but to understand, I find time to eat. I find time to take a shower. You know, yeah. I find time to take care of my body that I don't smell strangely or so. Yeah. You know, I have, I, I understood this is something that helps my health and it helps my yeah. appearance and it helps my, thing. I find yeah. time for Netflix. You know? yeah, and I yeah. wouldn't say, don't stop all that. No, yeah. it's good. But it has something to do, have I understood how crucial that is? Mm. And we speak not just about a funny idea. We don't speak just something, hey, try that diet or try, you know. This is absolutely fundamental to mm. who we are on that planet yeah. and what our eternity yeah. is about. Yeah. So, yeah. and if I got that, I think I feel or I find the motivation to start with a couple of minutes. Yeah. And to 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 tell all the distraction, hey, this is protected now. I try to protect that. I find yeah. a spot, yeah. and um, I try to get used to it. And here's the deal: if you make it through one month, then it has become a habit. So yeah. you need a little willpower, yeah. you need a little motivation to do it for a month yeah. on a daily basis. But after a month, your soul starts to be supportive to that because it mm. has started to get used to it. Yeah. And if this is a power, this is a dynamic that yeah. all of a sudden helps you yeah. to get better. Yeah. You know? So, but it, yeah. at least try it a month. Try it a month. Well, um, I think to answer my own question, which uh, I'll repeat again, was if you're in a church that doesn't uh, oh, yeah. move along these lines, mm. what, what can you do to start? Um, and, and I think what you suggested is where, really where you should start um, on an individual on level. Individual, yes. Now, if you want to sort of step into sort of more how can we help the community along I would um, talk about the theology of, of this mm -hmm. and just start asking questions and wh wherever you know whatever your capacity is even if you're in in leadership you still need to sort of start slowly and and ask questions raise these issues why aren't we talking about mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. um, how do we uh, get past how, how, how does transformation actually happen um, and and don't don't give up um, don't um, it will probably be a long time before that community really maybe 
you will need a companion or you will need a friend or you yeah. will need someone who is on the way with you. Yeah. So it yeah, might yeah. be a good idea to say, hey, let's read together that book or read yeah. together that chapter and start yeah. to speak about, talk about that. Yeah. And then being together on the way. It is, yeah. Jesus never uh, calls us to a life of lonesome cowboy. You yeah. know, the one yeah. who is the hero. So this is not a concept of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, it's always, we, he, he did what he did in community. So, and therefore look for someone, I would say, look for someone who might be as wired as you yeah. about yeah. these things or you introduce them to that. Look where someone is responding to it and then do it together. Yeah. Yeah. And might be you can help your church transformed, be transformed, or might be you have to start something new. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, hopefully, at least in German-speaking Europe, we'll have a translation of this book um, uh, sooner rather than later. Um, thanks, Jörg, for working on that, and thanks for being here and just chatting with me. It was a great um, pleasure for me. Yeah. Even if it was not my language. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you did really well. You did really well. So leave a thumbs up if you think Jörg's English is perfectly fine to do this sort of thing. Um, but thanks for uh, getting all the way to the end here and um, for subscribing if you haven't already subscribed and head on over to uh, sanctus.institute, our website, to sign up for our almost monthly newsletter, and then you'll find about, out about other sorts of things like this that we're doing. So, until then, bye. Bye-bye. Good. Okay. Aber okay, also im Wesentlichen, das ist ja auch das Interessante, das ist eigentlich schön, wenn du es in einer anderen Sprache sagst, bist du gezwungen, es wirklich auf das Wesentliche zu reduzieren. Yeah.